What is the happiest, most amazing moment in your life? What was the best moment that you can, you can think back to? How would you try to describe it to someone else? What kind of words would you try to put to that moment? You know, I imagine if it really is one of the most incredible moments in your life, then there's probably a sense in which it's indescribable. There's probably a sense in which you really can't quite put it into words. And and when we try to describe something that can't be described, all we can do is start kind of reaching for for poetry and and these sort of pictures like that, you know, oh, my love is like a red, red rose that's newly sprung in June. Oh, my love is like the melody that's sweetly played in tune, this Burns poem. You know, or there's that, that John Denver song that you may know, you fill up my senses like a night in the forest, like mountains in springtime, like a walk in the rain, like a storm in the desert, like a sleepy blue ocean. You fill up my senses. Come fill me again. Some of you guys are ready to join in and sing along with that one, right? <laughs> one of my favorite songwriters uh, goes by the, the band name Sleeping at Last. Uh, and and he's, he's been writing music that, that's about the whole human experience. And he has this one series of songs about human emotions, about our experience of emotions. And one of them is a song called Joy. And in it, he writes about joy. And and I love the way that he writes this song. It is just a constant string of metaphors. Let Let me read the words to you. He describes joy like this. He says, It is the calm water in the middle of an anxious sea where heavy clouds part and the sunrise starts a fire in the deepest parts of me. So I let go, and in this moment, I can breathe. It's the clumsy start of adolescence, the glue that mends our broken remnants, an overwhelming sense of reverence. It's a glimpse of light in a mine of gold. A silver lining spilling over, the rumor of buried treasure, the starting line of an adventure. It's a glimpse of light and a mine of gold. It's an afterglow. It's an echo still ringing out in spite of me. It's the faint outline of the divine in the hiding place of my periphery. So I let go, and in this moment, I can breathe. It's the setting sun through open windows. It's the honoring of every shadow. It's a gratitude for all That follows. It's a glimpse of light and a mine of gold. It's the countless stars we're sleeping under. It's the brightest sparks that we remember. When our eyes are closed, we still see embers. It's a glimpse of light and a mine of gold. And I just love this song and I love the way that he goes about it. It is just this kaleidoscope of images that he puts together. It's well worth listening to. But because, you know, how do you tell someone about joy? I mean, how do you describe that? 
Well, it, well, it's joy. Or maybe put some other equally abstract word to it. Well, it's happiness. Well, how do you describe that? Well, the only way is to show it. To show this, this picture of it. And even then, one picture won't do. One picture won't do joy justice. It needs to be one after another, after another, after another. You know, and then you can finally begin to get a sense of it. This, this thing that is joy. One picture after another, after another. And I think this is precisely what Jesus does as he tries to tell people about the kingdom of heaven. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, we're still here in the midst of this sermon that is filled with parables. You know, and if you've been here for the last few weeks, you know we've been looking through all of these parables of Jesus from Matthew 13, and many of them begin with the kingdom of heaven is like And then there is just one picture after another, after another, after another. It's like Jesus is trying really hard to describe something that just can't be described. He's trying to describe something that's truly indescribable. The kingdom of heaven is greater than anything you've ever experienced. It's it's bigger than anything you could really ever imagine. You know, some, some kind of systematic explanation won't do. And not even a single picture, a single metaphor won't do it justice. It takes this kaleidoscope of images to begin imagining the kingdom of heaven. And that's what Jesus gives to us. And so this week, we're going to look at two more parables, these pictures that Jesus paints Matthew 13, beginning in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, And on finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for this kaleidoscope of images that that you fill our hearts and our imaginations with to draw us into your kingdom. God, I pray that as we consider these words, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you were here last week, you may remember that we looked at a parable where Jesus said that the kingdom is like some yeast that was hidden in flour. And the parables we're looking at today seem to ask the question of, well, what happens when you find it? What happens when you find that, that yeast that was hidden in the flour? You know, and that's what I want to explore together this morning. What happens when we find the kingdom of God? But before we can really dive into that question, we have to ask another. 
And that's, well, how do we find the kingdom of God? How do we find it? And just like there's not only one parable about finding the kingdom, there is not only one way to find the kingdom. You see, these two parables catch, I think, two ends of human experience. So let me tell you what what I mean. The first parable is about someone who was just living his life, just going about their life every day, when out of nowhere, he happens into this treasure in the middle of a field. This guy wasn't looking for anything. We can probably assume that he was more or less satisfied with the status quo, just going from day to day, getting by, maintaining life. And that's when he came upon this treasure, unsought after, unlooked for. Here it came, bursting into his life. But then the second parable is quite different. It's about a merchant who was in search of fine pearls. And this person was not only searching for items of great value, he was defined by it. He's a merchant. This is his job. This is his identity. He is someone who has items of great value and sells them and, and trades them. This is what he does for a living. And so he was devoted to searching for fine pearls. And so unlike the first person who just happened into some treasure trove in the middle of a field, this merchant was actively seeking it. But then, still, there is something unexpected that happens. Because he starts off in search of fine pearls. But at the end of the story, he is settled on only one pearl. You might think his venture was a failure. But he seems to be more than satisfied with with what he has found. And so we have two different stories of finding the kingdom that depict two very different ways of finding the kingdom. One person wasn't particularly looking for anything at all, and the other was devoted to searching it out all over the world. And my guess is in this room, we have folks from both ends of that spectrum and all the way in between. Some of you probably are are perfectly happy going from day to day, not really looking for anything new or different in particular. And spiritually, maybe you're pretty content going to church once a week and then rolling along through the other six days without much of a thought. But then there are others who have adamantly been searching for something, You've looked for meaning in in all kinds of places. You know, we see this throughout the world. There's searching for meaning in in various different kinds of spirituality and and mindfulness practices. Uh, Looking for for meaning in the secular religions of, of wealth and comfort and image, right? Or maybe even having looked in various different kinds of churches, all the way from fundamentalists to super liberal. And yet here you are, continuing that search for many fine 
pearls. You see, I think some here have that that deep drive. You're searching for something. And some of you may not be. But the kingdom of God is for everyone. It's for those who are looking and those who aren't looking at all. It's for both ends of the spectrum and everyone in between. And we see this all throughout Jesus' ministry. The Gospels constantly tell us that great crowds came and sought Jesus out. They surrounded him. You know, there are numerous stories of people who come looking for Jesus because they want to be healed or because they have some question about God or the kingdom of God. And then there are the other stories where someone's just going about their day, you know, pulling in some fish, cleaning off their nets, and then Jesus passes by and says, hey, come follow me. And they drop everything and go, right? Some people seek him out and others just happen into him in their regular everyday moments. And you even have this great variety among Jesus' own disciples. You know, one of them is named Simon, and he's described as a zealot. And this is a political term for someone who seeks to overthrow the Roman government and reestablish the nation of Israel, right? That's his political party. He has signed up for that. And then there's another one of Jesus' disciples. His name is Matthew, and he's described as a tax collector. He actually works for the Roman government. And he's probably not looking to change much of anything at all. This is his employment, right? This is his job. Nonetheless, Simon, adamantly looking and and searching for change, and Matthew, who's perfectly happy with the way things are, both end up following Jesus, who goes about proclaiming this kingdom of heaven. Both of them get drawn into this story. And this is the point of these two parables, that whether you've looked everywhere or you're not looking at all, the kingdom of God is for you. Sometimes you find the kingdom after much searching, and sometimes the kingdom of God finds you when you're not even looking. And either way, the kingdom of heaven can be found. And so now to the question that we started with. Well, what happens when you find it? What happens when you actually stumble into this kingdom of heaven? Well, though one of the stories uh, has someone who was not looking for anything in particular, and the other one has someone actively searching for something, both of them respond in the same way. Both went and sold all that they had in response to what they found. They both sold everything. The first guy didn't just add the treasure that he found to his diversified portfolio of investments, right? The merchant didn't add the pearl to his vast inventory of merchandise. Neither one of them hedged their bets. 
Rather, they both went all in. They both jumped all in. Both of them devoted themselves entirely to what they found. And I think that this attitude should inform both our life of faith and also our mission as the church. So let me talk about each one of those a little bit. First, our faith is meant to look like these parables. If we really are living in the kingdom of heaven, then we have to be all in. We have to be all in. We can't settle just for church once a week and the rest of our life is is just the usual. The gospel is not meant to create good churchgoers, but rather wholehearted followers of Jesus. The kingdom of God isn't merely about what you're doing on Sunday morning. It's about what you're up to on Monday afternoon. Or, you know, maybe Monday afternoon you're still thinking about church the day before. It's about what you're up to on Thursday at lunch, right? You've had some time to forget every word that I've said, which is fine. It's about what you're up to on Saturday night. This is what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is, it's like a little mustard seed that grows and grows, right? It's like this little bit of leaven that that spreads out and, and rises. It's like a man or merchant who found something of value and they sold everything for it. They went all in. And so I want to do a little thought experiment with you for a moment. So go ahead and and look ahead to some moment this next week. Just look ahead to something that's happening this next week. Don't choose something that's particularly exciting. Like look ahead to some really dull moment this week. Just take a moment and think about it. Maybe it's your daily commute. Maybe that moment when you first sit down at the office, getting ready to work whatever that looks like for you. Maybe it's that awkward break in the lunchroom in the middle of the day. Maybe it's changing your baby's diaper. Maybe it's waiting in the checkout line at the grocery store. Whatever it is, find your dull moment this week and just put yourself there. I want to ask you, what would it look like to find the kingdom of God in that moment. What would that look like? What would it look like if you found treasure hidden in the common everyday field of your week? What would it look like to give everything you have in that moment for the treasure that's there? Man, our life of faith is meant to look like these parables. Every day is in the kingdom of God. Every day belongs to the kingdom of God. And so they inform our lives of faith, but they, these stories also inform, I think, our mission as the church. Our mission should look like these parables too. 
And so if this church community really is seeking out the kingdom of God, really is devoted to, just as we prayed, seeing the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, then we have to be all in. We have to be fully devoted. And that means we can't just have a few people carrying the mission of our church. That means you can't just say, oh, you know, I love that we help kids at Wildwood. I love that we help homeless people with reach out. But never actually jump in and be a part of that. We can't just say we if we're not really we, right? We need to be all in. As a church on mission, we need to be fully devoted. We need to see that the church is not just an event to attend or a place to come for spiritual products and services. Rather, it is a community to be a part of. And so, what are the ways you can be a part of the community? What are the ways that you can love and serve and equip others for the kingdom of God? What are the ways that you can grow in your own gifting and calling in the kingdom of God? You know, there are some organized opportunities for this. Like, we have class on Sunday mornings. There are women's and men's groups during the week that meet. You know, later at the end of this month, we'll be serving the women at Reach Out. And, and we have this ongoing connection with Wildwood, right? There are some organized opportunities for this. And maybe one of these is a place to plug in, a place to get involved, to, to be part of the community of God. But there are other opportunities as well. Things that you might not find on a church bulletin, or on the website, or on a calendar. But nonetheless, there are ways to connect with and participate in the community. You know, it could be grabbing a meal with someone, just being intentionally present in the city or in your neighborhood in some way. Or maybe it's opening up your home for others to, to come in. And whatever it is, our mission as a church should look like these parables. A community that's all in fully devoted to the kingdom of God. Now, you may hear these stories of people selling everything, and you know, and you hear all these calls to be all in, and, and, and you're hearing all of this, and, and maybe it starts to trigger some measure of guilt or, or shame, or, oh, you know, I should, or I ought to. Or, and, and if you're headed down that road, let me just stop you right there. Don't, don't head down that road. Right? Because that's not what these parables are about. The merchant didn't divest himself of everything because he ought to buy the pearl. Right? The guy didn't sell everything he had because he really should buy that field. That's not what happened. 
What does it say in verse 44? In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. If you sell everything you have in order to get the field, but it's not in joy, then it's not the kingdom. You can follow all of the rules. You can check every box, do everything right. You can even be all in. But without joy, it's not the kingdom of God. It's just religion. Joy is the fuel of our faith. Joy is what drives our mission. Joy is the cause for what happened in the parable. And then what results is a complete transformation. All right, think about the guy who found the pearl, right? At the beginning of the story, he's described as a merchant. And that means his job is maintaining an inventory of stock that he can buy and sell and trade. But by the end of the story, his stock is gone. And instead of an inventory of fine pearls or whatever else he might have been selling, all he has is one great pearl. In other words, he's not a merchant anymore. At the end of the story, he's been transformed. And this is what finding the kingdom of heaven is like. It fills you with joy and it leaves you with a new identity. And so as we think about all of this, I just want to ask, where are you on the map? You know, from the one who stumbled into unexpected treasure in a field to the one who searched and searched for it. Where are you in there? From doing things out of religious duty to living in joyful devotion. Where are you in there? From the merchant who is maintaining his inventory to the pearl bearer discovering his new identity. Where are you in there? Some of you have been around church for a long time. And maybe your journey started with this joy. But over time, that joy has begun to grow a little stale. We've already done one thought experiment this morning, kind of looking forward into this next week. I want to do another one. And I want to look back. I want to think back to the time when you first stumbled upon the kingdom of God. What was that like? Do you have some memory like that, some moment like that, when you encountered God in a special way, when you first stumbled into his kingdom? What was that joyful discovery like? Place yourself there. Remember that. 
I'll share a little bit of my own story. You know, I, I grew up in church. I grew up going to church. I did this thing when I was about 11 years old. I was baptized and then kept rolling. But by the time I was about halfway through middle school, I, I just wasn't that serious about faith. I didn't really care that much. Um, I went to church none, nonetheless, but I, I was doing things I shouldn't be doing. I was friends with people I probably shouldn't have been friends with as a teenager. And I got to high school, and, and there was this um, youth retreat that we went on. You know, thank God for youth retreats. Sometimes God actually does stuff there. And, and I was there, and, you know, I was going through the motions. We were singing the songs, and, and it's youth group, so we've got hand motions. We're doing stuff like that. But at some point, the guy who was speaking that weekend just told really the same story I'd heard growing up. Jesus died for your sins. You don't have to hold on to them anymore. You can let them go. And for some reason, after hearing it over and over and over again throughout my whole life, I heard it for the first time. And so we entered into this time of worship again, and, and we're singing and, and that sort of thing. And, and in that moment, I just sort of felt like God said to me, so what are you going to do? I'd like you to either get in or get out. No more half-hearted faith. And in that moment, I just felt the love of God. And that joy that we're talking about began to well up because I had found something that I wasn't expecting at a youth retreat of all places, right? What was that moment like for you when you stumbled upon the joy of the kingdom? I think the best picture of the kingdom of God is really Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, looking to Jesus who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, and disregarding its shame, he has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, the king of this kingdom that we've been talking about, he didn't only sell everything that he had. He gave his own life. And why? For the joy that was set before him. His death covers us. His resurrection restores us. And so as we seek this kingdom, may we do so with joy welling up in our hearts that we might give our whole selves to the kingdom of God. Amen.